0: Talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out, they played with enormous goals. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Good evening, one and all, and welcome. To another episode of the Dropped Kickoff. My name is Nikosiliev, and with the Rugby World Cup uh, coming up, um, everyone's kind of focusing on that. But for this for this week, we are starting with our first coverage of all things NRC competition. is just finished its third round, and funnily enough, we're actually re- nearing the halfway point of the of the regular season. But joining me to talk about all things NRC and all the exciting talent that's been coming through is the walking encyclopedia of all things NRC. You know him from The Raw, and he's becoming an increasingly occasional guest on Gaga, Brett McKay. Brett, how you doing, mate?
1: I'm well, mate. How are you? I, lo- I like increasingly occasional. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. I mean, it's we... almost regular, but just not quite. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, look, it's it's... There's plenty to talk about in, in regards to all things rugby. Yeah, because it's I think like you always forget whenever club season's over, it's like oh that's it for the season, but then NRC comes around and this year the World Cup as well. I mean, what just kind of I guess we'll just dive straight into it. I mean, what's your general thoughts on this season been so far compared to, to other previous seasons? To you, does it feel like it's kind of been an improvement on previous years? Do you feel like it's more organised? What's your What's your initial thoughts?
1: i've I've felt and i 've said pretty consistently for the first four seasons that every season was sort of like better than the last, and last year was sort of last year I think was probably the first time where I couldn 't definitively say it was better than the previous season um, and and this season feels similar so so maybe that 's another indication that the competition is sort of finding its level if you like um, mm-hmm. you know, we're ha- we're halfway through maybe i 'll change my mind. You know at the end yeah you know, in a month's time as we, as we near uh, as as we need semi finals um but there's been some great rugby played there's no no doubt about that it's been really enjoyable to watch um uh, I like already that you know just as we sort of thought that maybe there was a top four emerging then all of a sudden you know brisbane city go down uh you know new south Wales country is still un- still unbeaten, the force is still unbeaten. Yeah. Sydney had that great win over um uh, over queensland country on the weekend um so you know I think there's still a little bit of uncertainty about it which is which is great and um you know i i think i i think the 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 the, the reintroduction of of the sydney like a proper sydney representative side you know the rays are gone and we've and we've got the uh, the old s um, mm. i u jumper i think that's just added a nice little little element the 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 Sydney engagement has always been the missing piece of the NRC, and and already it feels like that's a little bit better. And and I think I've seen you saying on socials, maybe in comments online, that it would be great if a New South Wales team win. And I absolutely agree with you. I I think it would be absolutely fantastic for the NRC if if the Eagles or Sydney won. won. And and I remember saying that back in twenty was it 2016 when both of them hosted semi-finals, and I remember saying. Yeah. would be absolutely magnificent for the competition if you know if if they played off in the final if one of them won yeah in in the end it didn't play out that way but uh, <laughs> you know it's uh, that that the points made back then still stand now
0: yeah I agree and I think for me personally just actually seeing the these first three rounds and the last the, the fact that these teams are the New South Wales teams specifically are performing has already just purely from my new south wales centric perspective has made me kind of really feel like that this year the playing field seems a lot more even yeah um, because in the in the past it was always kind of like you've got your your strong sides in the force in the vikings in your brisbane city and and queensland country and by comparison, the Rising and you had this New South Wales country and Sydney were always – you always kind of had a feeling they were going to finish down the bottom of the ladder because they had a lot of club players, more than yeah. Super Rugby, um, but then they would kind of fall away at the end of many games. Um, but this year, it's everything's a lot closer. It seems now kind of – because everyone is on board, it's already yeah. being – it's I love the fact that it's already being reflected in the quality of rugby on the field, and hopefully that will lead to – more people, um, to more people, particularly in Sydney, uh, coming on and actually get, getting to games and, and watching it. And I think even better, it's telling that you got players like shambek kavui and, and Will Miller during the actual season being offered contracts um, yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. With, yeah, which, like, I'm just getting the vibes. It feels, because it's, it feels to me, because now all teams seem a lot more integrated off the field, um, it's also being that's kind of being reflected in um, by the consistency mm. of pretty much all the teams on the field.
1: Yeah, I think a, I think that's think a fair point, and I think the and I know we're going to get into we're going to start going through team by team here in a sec, but the the big the big difference for me is that in recent year, well probably for the first five years, we've been saying about the New South Wales teams, you know, it, it's it's never been a case of you know, where are the are the Waratah stars because they're obviously in the in the in the Wallaby squad, but it's mm. been it's, it's not even been you know where are the the second tier players it's been where are the where where are the squad players you know 24 to to 35 where are those guys and it seems it, it always seemed like there was that group of of you know contracted players that just weren't running around the nrc and there was no obvious reason why but you look at you look around this year between new south wales country and sydney and it's um, you know, it's it's the, it's the will, it, and, and I know they they will be contracted, but it's the Will Harrison's doing well. It's um you know Mitch mm-hmm. Short for um for, for Sydney. It's, Jay, it's Jake Gordon. It's uh um it's uh Lockie Swinton. It's Ryan McCauley. It's uh you know uh, Matt Sandell, the prop. It's you know the the couple of couple of the young hookers getting through. Like like we're we're starting to, the, 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 there's there's always been this. Pretty handy contracted talent for New South Wales, but we just haven't necessarily seen a lot of them. And, and perhaps this year, those guys have come through because when you when you do look at the teams, you notice that Damien Fitzpatrick's not playing. Um, Jed Holloway's over in Ireland playing for Munster during the during the Rugby World Cup. So, you know those those experienced Super Rugby players now for the Waratahs that aren't in in the uh, that aren't in the, the Wallaby squad, and they they have have in some regards been the mainstay of the NRC in recent years, those guys aren't there now. And so it's actually allowing those, you know, 24 to 35 top, top players to actually come through. And I think that's been the big benefit. That's been the big difference this year and um, and long may it continue.
0: Yeah, I agree. And on top of it, because, I mean, ideally the situation, I mean, you mentioned when we did our uh, Green and Gold Rugby podcast a few weeks back how that New South Wales had, had a lot of conversations with Queensland about trying to replicate – their system, not the least of which being that you want to actually see players coming through into the Waratahs, not just from the likes of you know competitions like the Shoot Shield, but through all the other development pathways they've got as well. And it's, I mean, we'll get into them when we cover the teams in a second, but it's it's just reassuring to see that you've got the likes of Mac Mason and Will Harrison actually will be competing, because realistically yeah. they're be, they're competing for the Waratahs fly half position.
1: You know, Dido bit, did bit Short and Jake Gordon. Um, and yeah. and, and I, think, I think that's been very, very deliberate this year. You know, uh, Ryan McCauley's playing for Sydney. Tom Staniforth is playing for um, uh, for New South Wales country. I, I'm, I'm quite sure that's been very deliberate. And and this is finally, uh, you know, New South Wales rugby and the Waratahs learning from uh, from what Queensland and the Reds have been doing for five years.
0: Yeah. And hopefully they'll be reflected in in terms of people getting behind it because these days you see... The amount of the amount of people that turn out to all the Brisbane City games in in Brisbane hopefully will mean that you know we will get something similar. Um, kind of before we jump into the teams, there's one thing that I am really keen to hear your thoughts on, which are the two rule changes and your mm. first thoughts on it. Um, for, I think the the first one that I kind of has been taking my attention is the 50-22 rule. Yeah. Um, which I've I myself am personally still not totally convinced by it in terms of how it fits into the game I find it exciting to watch and it really does put an onus on the defensive team whenever you if they're down the opposition um, down and they get the ball back to try and have a go and potentially try and kick down into the opposition 22 a bit more but in terms of how I feel about it I'm still on I feel like I'm going to get a bit of flack for, for saying it but I feel like I'm on the fence really in terms of how much attacking rugby is being promoted by using this? But hey, I've only had three seasons, um, three rounds of it.
1: What do you reckon? Yeah, look, I've I've, I've written some thoughts on this over the last uh, two weeks for both the the Roar and um, and rugby.com.au last last week, in fact. Um, and uh, asking very much the same questions that we're that we're talking about now. I, I don't mind 50-20. I, I I I like what it's trying to promote, um, and I and I like the idea of rewarding. A bit of tactical kicking for the purposes of attack, um, you know. And I very much, and I very deliberately say that because there's tactical kicking, and there's tactical kicking, isn't there? Um, and yeah. but in a lot of cases, some in a lot of cases, I think tactical kicking is almost coming out of defence, if you know what I mean. Like like, yeah. you know, Yes, there's space down the corner, but realistically, we want to be down there because we don't want to be here. Now the thinking is there's space in the corner, and if we can get down there, we can set up. Set piece attacking opportunity. So I, I like that element. I think that's a that's a nice positive cha- uh, mindset change there. What I'm not overly thrilled about, and 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 this was a thought echoed by um, by Tim Sampson, the Western Force coach, uh, last week in that piece for, um, for rugby.com.au, is the the 22.50 kick, because I think that is just inviting scrum halves in particular, and we've seen it already. To sit behind at the back of the ruck behind the screen and just bomb a box kick yeah. from from inside yeah. their 22, hope they can get a bounce just beyond halfway and find touch. I, I think what we're trying to promote with you know attacking rugby and thinking about your back three defence, I think the 2250 actually undoes because it's just inviting teams just to to, to kick away and and you know yeah. hope for the bounce. So I'm not so sold on that element of it um it's still it'll take some getting used to but i think we're already seeing teams you know certainly building towards halfway with an eye of of kicking for the 22 so so that's i i I love that one of the first ones that we saw was in that new south wales country sydney game which is yeah round, and james kane the the new south wales country winger made that break down the left-hand edge he chip kicked ahead but the ball bounced at right angles, and went to touch, <laughs> that didn't, and so it was completely accidental. But they won the lineout throw. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you know, that was that was just a little funny element. And then there was even in that same round, um, I think it was the the Brisbane City Fiji game. Nick Berry gave Fiji a kick because they box kicked from inside the twenty-two and found touch beyond halfway, but they actually kicked it out on the full. And so the Fijians got down there and were setting up for the line-out. You can see them picking off, you know, who they were defending against in the Brisbane <laughs> City line-out. And, and Barry saying, no, no, it's your throw. It's a new rule. So he He just got the execution slightly wrong.
0: <laughs> Look, I think for me, it'll, it'll grow. I think it's, it, it, it is taking some adjustment too, but it is it is an interesting facet in terms of how it brings into attacking play. I will say, though, the other the one, the defensive, the defence line dropout from being held up, I'm actually really loving already. Because, I mean, you and me have been covering this this competition for years, and in the past, you know, we've had games where the attacking side has kind of been, uh, it's, there's really been such an emphasis on attack um, and the, to the point where I've actually sometimes felt like kind of defence has been kind of lacklustre in that teams would, would be more, sometimes more than willing to concede a, a try yes. just so they can yeah. get back down the other end of the field and have a crack at the opposition. I and and
1: I think just to jump in there, I think that absolutely was the case back in the first few seasons of eight-point tries. Yeah. I, th- I think that was very quickly the, the the mindset of, all right, if we concede one here, it's all right because we can get back down there and get get eight points back quick enough ourselves anyway. Mm. So, yeah, no, keep, keep going because I think I know where you're going and I, tend, I sort of agree with you.
0: Yeah, but I like that the rule kind of puts a bit more pressure on the attacking team and is rewarding good defence, particularly within the 22 area and on the try line. And it kind of makes the competition for for scoring tries a lot more intriguing. And I think that the the, the game that kind of won this over for me was the Country Druwer game just from the weekend gone because the drewer were regularly forcing dropouts and pushing them over the line and being very tactical with their defence. And it was actually... They were, it was really rewarding to see such good defence being rewarded, and it kind of for me felt like it was a much more even contest um, compared to previous years of NRC that we've seen.
1: I'm I'm coming around on this one. Um, I was a little bit I was sceptical but open minded um, at the start of the start of the, of the competition because I thought my immediate thought was that. Um, you know, is it just going to encourage teams on their own line? And they already do it to an extent, but is it just going to encourage teams to to just pile in at the ruck, um, and you know, and just effectively, you know, ride like, you know, front on tackle and just ride the ball over the line and hold it up. Um, and, and I thought it actually might invite a bit of a legal collapsing in the mall as well. Now, interestingly, we haven't seen too many driving. We, I don't think we've seen a driving mall held up over the line yet. And to be to be honest, it would be pretty difficult to to, to legally collapse yeah. a, to collapse a, a driving ball in the in goal and not concede a penalty try. Mm. Um, but I like what I do like is that it does get the game restarted quicker. Um, yes. and, and this was an interesting element of the chat with with Tim Sampson last week um, was that he said that. He can see what they're trying to do there. They're trying to get the ball out and get the game going again. Because if you go to five meter scrum, then you know you can have reset, reset, short arm, scrum option, reset. Yeah. You know you could you could it doesn't take much to suddenly you get bogged down in the corner for five minutes. Whereas as soon as you go to to the dropout, the game goes again. Um. He his Tim's thought was that maybe maybe you could still have the scrum, but the defending team gets the feed. And that's an interesting element in itself. Mm. But then he, he, as soon as he said that he even conceded though, that that then obviously opens up more set piece because even if they win clean ball, they'll get it back for a kick in the pocket that goes to line out set piece Mm. 20 meters down the field. And so what have you really gained in that, you know, two minute passage of play? So I think it's. I think there's enough promise in that one, um, like the 50-22 kick. If I'm honest, I think there's enough promise in it that it's worthy of trialing, perhaps a little bit more widely. You know, maybe, maybe it would, maybe wouldn't mind seeing that in um, in some other competitions, but that's you know, like a, a minus ten cup in New Zealand or a Curry Cup or whatever it might be. Um, you know, I think I think there's an interesting element to that that makes makes it worth worth trialing. But I, I also wouldn't mind. Having and seeing conversations about you know how you could maybe still achieve that same same option of or that same outcome of getting a quicker uh, a quicker restart, but maybe not necessarily penalizing the attacking side for executing well but just being held up uh, you know like if you've got a really if you've got a really accurate pick and drive and you just happen to <laughs> you know, you just, you, you just happen to, to come down on a body, mm. it almost feels like you're being punished a little bit. So I, I get that element. I get that concern about it. Um, but I think there is still promise in it because the game certainly gets flowing. Teams are thinking more about their goal line defence, no doubt. And in turn, I think that is making teams think about their pick and drive. I, I think we're actually starting to see teams, you know, setting up and they're, they're happy to go sideways, and, and and not really go forward they're not not go that last half meter over the line until they're absolutely sure there's a gap there so mm. I, I, think, I think maybe indirectly it's going to promote more pick and drive accuracy which perhaps in the end that's not a bad thing
0: well what i think i quite like about it and um i think is that is that because even though I do see a point that you, you might be penalizing the attacking side for, for being held up over. But this is kind of where I feel like comp- combining with the 50-22, it might because it, at the end of the day, we want a good contest. But to, we want it to have as even a contest as possible between attack and defense. So say, for example, if you've got the likes of the 50-22 rule, which favors the attacking team and then a something like the defensive dropout, which favors the defensive team really then it comes down to do you think then that it would come down to just both of those rules maybe working in tandem to be a prim, like trying to make the balance between defense and attack more even so then it comes down to the the quality of the opposite of the teams that that are playing against each other
1: yeah yeah that's i think i think that's that's a pretty reasonable conclusion um and, and i don't think you could try one law without the other in fact mm. When you when you when you when you put it when you put it like that, I, I don't think you would want to try one without the other because I think you need to. There still needs to be the right amount of reward for attack. Um, and we saw in the first few years of the competition when we did play eight point tries, whether it was um, you know three point conversions or whether it was six point tries there for that season. Um, you know that was. Te- teams were thinking about how they were going to attack because they could see the reward there. They could see the the incentive, and and you might remember Nick in those first few years as well. The the yellow card rates were almost double. Symbiotic. Yeah, they, that's they, right. were, but they weren't card happy. They were just more than happy to punish cynical defence, and I think that's a fantastic thing. But there should mm. be more of that, not less. I think now that we're that we're back and have been back for a few years in the standard, you know, five two three. Um, points. I think there still needs to be the right element of attack and, and reward for attack, because ultimately the the aim of the game is to put the ball down over the line, isn't it? So there, there hmm. still needs to be the right amount of incentive for that. At the same time, though, um, you know, if you get your defence right, then that shouldn't be something you're punished for either. So I th- I, again, I think there's, I think we've seen enough in both of those those trials to 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 have the to have the trials perhaps broadened and, and and introduced in a few more competitions around the world the 2250 element of the of the um, of the t- kick no i'm i'm not so sold on that I, I could probably take or leave that
0: yeah that's fair and i think it's look it's just i'm curious to see how it's going to affect more games going forward as before we hit the end of the season um, so I reckon let's, drive, let's dive into, uh, into the actual games uh, so yeah. far, and I guess we'll start, we'll go from the top of the table down. So we'll start with, uh, with the Western Force, who um, are currently sitting on three out of three, with uh, wins, with a big win against Queensland Country, and then a win against the Drua over in Fiji, and then um, last weekend with the, uh, with the match against, uh, against Melbourne. Uh, winning 38 to 19. I'll kind of throw this one to you first, Brett, because I think, you know, during, you know, the previous podcast that we did um, on on the gagger show, we talked a lot about them being our favourites uh, mm. for this competition. Do you think that they're performing to, like, exceeding expectations? Do you think they're performing well um, in terms of where they're at, in terms of their actual potential as a squad?
1: I I wondered about it after the first round when they when they won by a point but still scored 50 themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of I sort of wondered how they were tracking, but but I think the last two weeks um, bonus point wins and, and one of them in Fiji and, and I think even even winning that game I think we saw enough in that to know that it's not going to be easy winning in Fiji this year. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I, I think. I think everything that we suspected about the force has has come through in the last in the last two games. They've been pretty impressive um, performances. Neither of them, um, both of those those last two wins, saw Fiji and Melbourne come back at points, but they never allowed them to come back enough that they were threatened, if that mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And so that that to me tells that that says to me that they're. They're well drilled. They're well coached. Um, I think uh, I think combinations is very very obvious, um, and it's, yeah. it's quite obvious that a lot of this Western Force team have played a lot of rugby together over the last two years. Um, and they've even like, they've been playing with a variation of the 50-22 rule for that whole time. Global Rapid Rugby has had effectively a 40-22. Their kick has to be from inside the 10 meter line, mm. uh, which is which is certainly harder. The 50-22. So, yeah, you know, they've even been playing with some of these variations, if you like. So, yeah, I think I think they're well placed. I, they're they're three from three. I reckon they could realistically if they win one of the next two games. They'll be an absolute lock for the for the top four. Um, and yeah, I don't think there's. I've not seen anything now to tell me that they're not the favourites.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think. Right now, they're, they're just this year. I think I agree. I totally agree with you that in terms of the combinations is is the real key difference. But I what has been interesting, kind of touching on that point you had after that first match against against Queensland Country, is that I am there are being there are questions being asked of them, particularly in the forward pack, um, yep. for me because you've got the likes of Queensland Country, who have always traditionally had a very strong forward pack, um, but last week for a lot of the, the game, the Melbourne Rising actually had the upper hand on the Force's forward pack at scrum mm. time, um, specifically. Um, and I do feel like the likes of other teams that are that are quite str- that look to be quite strong in the forward pack, like New South Wales country, like the Vikings, might look um, at a way to uh, – there is an opportunity to attack the Force in terms yeah. of op- – yeah, opportunities. But, I mean, they do deserve to be where they are. But um, – I do think that there are plenty of question marks around in terms of whether they can go all the way or not. Um, but I do think that it's it is an amazing score. Jonah Placid, um, he's got some serious zip on him in the back. Yes,
1: yeah. one of the, one of those players that we he sort of he sort of dropped off the radar a couple of times, hasn't he? Because he went from Queensland down to Melbourne and they just didn't quite ever cut through for the Rebels, and then pops yeah. up and over in the West and. Uh, holy moly! Well, and and then then on the other wing they've bought this this Byron Rolston they bought over bought down from uh, bought over from Queensland from Brisbane mm. um, and he's been sensational. So you know they've got they've certainly got some some talent. There's no question about that. I think your point about the forwards is good. Um, and that Melbourne Rising pack was significantly stronger than than anything they fielded in the first two rounds. So yeah, no doubt no doubt the the Vikings. Will be a big challenge for, for for the Force this weekend. It's it's a, it's a good thing. It's it's that it's back over at uh, UWA because um, I think if that game was played in Canberra this weekend, I don't know that the Force would start favourite. Um, mm. But but just playing at home just makes them uh, look. You know their record over in Perth is incredible. I think they've only they've still only lost one or two games in the last four years or something ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's it's yeah really good. I, I can't remember the last time they they lost a game over there.
1: They I think it was- they lost. I think I think it might, funnily enough, I think it might only be last year or maybe the year before they lost the game to the Rays. Um, I'm, I'm I'm almost certain, but oh was... no no no,
0: it was the Drewer. They lost to the Drewer last year, I think, in Perth cause, um, yeah, and
1: that it was, was I think definitely lost to the Rays over there then as well. So maybe that maybe there's only two or three that, that mm. we're talking about in the last couple of years. So so yeah, look they're they they're, they're traveling along nicely. They're three from three. You know they're four points clear on top already. Um, you know they're going to take some running down already. You know we're not quite we're at the halfway point after this weekend coming, but but they're going to take some some um, some running down for sure.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree on that one. Um, so let's head to second place, and I must say I am super happy this is the case, and I did not see this one coming. The New South Wales Country Eagles currently sit in second with two with a win against against Sydney and a win against Melbourne, and I, and then the draw on the uh, on the weekend against the drawer. Um, i think for me kind of just looking at this team i um look i they are performing really well in my opinion and i think it's clear the influence of the TARS coaching support is really yep. helping um because i think the reason why i actually think you know the that draw against the druel was probably as good as those in terms of value as those wins against sydney and melbourne because what really kept them in that game for me was the game plan that the, the yeah. they would they would really sh- didn't allow the drua to have that uh, to get the ball to their backs and allow them to be able to play the flea fr- the free flowing rugby that we know the drua are capable of. Instead, the you know the the country eagles went to the, their forwards. They stuck with with there was clear that they had a game plan. Um, um and you know and the result was a really rug like there was. It was just rugby smarts that really saw yeah. them pull off that result um, against yeah. a team that, athletically, I'd say, would be stronger than them. Um, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I think it's it's really good to see these, the fact that they're still undefeated. It, the problem is, is that uh, whether they'll go the, the rest of the way or not, I mean, the next couple of rounds, they've got Brisbane away from home, the force yeah. at. Back in New South in country on the country and then Queensland country away from home for their next three games.
1: So think, whether and or not Can- yeah. Canberra, Canberra away the last round, I think it is too. Yeah, that's
0: yeah, that's right. So whether they'll be able to keep it up or not, um, who knows? But I will say from what I've seen so far, they've been uh, really looking very impressive.
1: Yeah, look, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I'm, and I'm sure you're the same. I was trying to work out whether. You're, which of the New South Wales teams were 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 the strongest, and I couldn't really split them. And, and even after that first round game, thirty eight thirty three didn't really tell us much about them. It was it was you know, it was very much a game of two halves as well. So, mm. uh, you know, they they've got the results on the board and and scoreboard pressure and and can and momentum can certainly help things. Um, I I reckon they need to beat Brisbane this weekend to be. Properly recognised as being, you know, a, a top 14 because just because of that finish that they've got. Um, like you say, Brisbane City, Western Force, Queensland Country, Canberra to finish. Um, it's a hell of a run home. So I reckon they need to beat Brisbane this weekend for sure, and then mm. they will probably they'll probably still need to win two of the last three. So I'm, so I'm effectively saying that they'll need they'll need. Three of the not only three wins after the last four. I, I think teams will need four wins at least. Yeah. But um, but I, but I think for country to be recognised as being as good as we think they are, they might need to go a bit a bit above and beyond. I don't, I wouldn't want to see them just scraping into the four. Put it that way.
0: Yeah. No. I think I agree as well. And I think considering the amount the the amount of teams that are really putting in a good um a good performance, they'll. Even if you, like, I mean, we saw last year Brisbane City won more games than they lost and they missed out on the finals as yeah, well. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it goes to show that you it's really kind of going the extra mile with a lot of these games. And I think that the key thing that they've struggled with right now is that particularly against Melbourne and Sydney, they really didn't put in an 80-minute performance. Because yeah. um, often, you know... they had to. Yeah, Fiji you had to. I mean, it, they let Sydney back into their game in the second half and then similar for Melbourne in a way... Um, but which is why I kind of argue that that that, that, that drew game was probably their best on field performance because it yeah. was an 80 minute one, and it was just an example of just sheer grit and attitude to, to get yeah. that result. The
1: the one, the one one thing I'm I'm a little bit concerned about them is that they've conceded a yellow card every game so far. Yeah. Mm. So um, you know, and like, you know, like Canberra have conceded three in three rounds as well, but 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 the Eagles have actually conceded one every game. Um, and that mm. would want to be a patent that they would want to keep up because that can invite preconceived ideas.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it, indeed, it, particularly around, um, it, particularly if, if you know they're under pressure because for a, a decent chunk of that last game, they did look when they did when Kane did get sent to the bin. It looked like they were out for all money, in um, because it looked like the Druid finally were going were gonna to put them away, which was. Reflective look, and it was amazing that they were able to come back. But I do think, kind of, just before we, we leave um, and move on to Canberra, it is good to see that there's a lot of young guys standing up in the, in this Eagles squad because I think you and I have talked a lot about Connor Vest and um, yeah. and Pat Taffer. They look like those two are, in terms of the Locks position, they look like they're really flourishing playing alongside uh, a Brumby like Tom Staniforth or former yeah. Brumby. And on top of it, Jack Grant um, as, as the backup. Um, halfback is really
1: That's pretty handy, isn't
0: he? Yeah, he does. And you know, also even though he's been, he's had a bit of a rough time this year. I mean, Mac Mason has you know yeah. shown glimpses of potential that we know that he's got. Um, and it still feels like he's coming into his own. I think really in terms of um, really kind of turning, unleashing the Eagles' backline. But all I can say is, you know, with Harrison again, with Harrison him competing for that Waratah um, position, it's really interesting to see how he goes for the rest of this this NRC yeah. season.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned Mac Mason. He's been he's been really really impressive. Um, it's almost ironic when we think about that he he left Queensland to come to New South Wales for more opportunity. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's worked out the complete opposite. He's actually ended up, you know, and and I've, in a lot of ways he's 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 stagnated. And the there is still a danger that he'll get. Overrun next year, and that he that he won't necessarily be the um, be, be the the Waratahs number ten in round one. Like that's mm. still a very real possibility. But he's been he's been allowed to steer this team around. He looks um, he, he he certainly looks a better player than he did this time last year, which in turn was better than he was the year before.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So he he'll he's certainly he, yeah he's it it feels and looks like he he knows his time is here. Um. So. Yeah, look, I think he's been really impressive.
0: Yeah, I agree, and it's it's good to to say that about New South Wales team, particularly and and,
1: and and playing playing with Jake playing with Jake Gordon can only be a good thing too. That's yeah, not, not probably I, worth mentioning.
0: That. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that as well. Yeah, um, so let's move on down to to third place, which are the Vikings who yeah. um who I'll I'll kind of let you I'll let you unleash. Uh, on this team, but they're currently on sitting with two wins and a loss. So wins to win against the Rising and Brisbane over the weekend with one point, and then the one loss to to Queensland Country up on the Gold Coast. So what are your thoughts uh, about how the Vikings are going right now? Because we talked a lot about how these guys are real heavyweights mm-hmm. in the competition, and that really they've been kind of due for a for a toast rack for quite a while. So how okay. do you think they're tracking?
1: I think they're tracking very typically Canberra Vikings Scratchy, if that if that makes sense. There's mm. this would be you know this is season six and every year they've gone into it with a red hot squad. They've they you know they, they're considered one of the favourites, um, and every year they've just they've just strung together a couple of games that just makes you wonder why on earth that was. Um, and you know as good as they were against Melbourne in round one. Um, the, the loss to Queensland country, it felt to me like they, um, and I know they had to defend a lot. They've defended, they've made already in three games, they've made something like 100 or 120 tackles more than the next best team. Uh, yeah. So, which is which is incredible already. I think against Queensland country, they had to make about 220 tackles or something ridiculous. Mm. Um. So they, they're doing a lot of defense, which, you know, maybe that can set them up for, Later in the year, they they looked like a team who had been t- who tackled themselves into the, into the ground against Queensland Country, and they just had nothing left when they did finally get ball in the second half. Mm. And I then wondered last weekend whether they were going to let Brisbane City do the same thing to them. But they were able to, um, to sort of force themselves out of the funk, and they were able to find a bit of spark in attack again. And they just did enough to keep the nose ahead, and I know it took a penalty in the end to, to win the game. Um, but I think they'll take more out of that one-point win over Brisbane City than they would have out of the bonus point win in round one over Melbourne. So, look, they're, they're there, thereabouts. They're, um, their run home isn't too bad because they've got the force away this week, and then they finish with Fiji, Sydney, New South Wales country, all in Canberra. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, so so like they've got it. It was it was that was something I noticed about their draw early on was that they had four home games for, for starters, mm. but three three of them were in the last three weeks. So mm. uh, if they if they win against the Force this weekend, then all of a sudden they can set themselves up to to finish top top spot. Mm. Um, and I think yeah you know if if they if they won against the Force then. I don't think there's any real reason why they lose a game after that.
0: Yeah, well, look, it's it's kind of interesting you touch on, on that in terms of the scratchiness. I think kind of from what I've seen, these this is probably the most rounded team all up out of all of the teams because with the force, the kind of the key thing that I've seen issue is, is the issues with the forward pack. The Vikings have a really good forward pack and they have a really good back line. And I still think that... I agree with that. Yeah, I still think that they're a really, really strong contender. I mean, they've got yeah. a really good forward pack. You can see the likes of of NRC. Can we call them NRC veterans? How many years that Rob yeah. Valentini and Conal? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Look, yeah, they've been like a, they've had a couple of years running um running around the NRC. Um, and it's on, on the top of it, you've got the likes of Ryan Lonigan and this young fella, Noah Aliso, at four yeah. and a half. half. What a prospect he is!
1: Yeah, he looks, looks really fantastic. Good, so, 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 listeners to this uh, are probably picking this up Wednesday, um, on the off chance that someone happens to hear this before rugby.com.au hit publish tomorrow morning. I can tell you, Alessio is going to be the rising star nomination for round three. He was was really impressive on the weekend. Um, he was uh, he was one that I expected would win a nomination along the way, just because I, in the same way that. You know, Fraser McWright will almost certainly win one in these in these last four weeks as well. You know, you just know there's some players out there that are going to, that are, they're standing out. And um, mm. he's this is his second season of NRC. not Alessio, he's still not 20. He's he's, he's not 20 till mm. December, but this year he's playing at 10. He's got Ryan Liningan at nine. He's got Euro Simone at, at 12. Tom Wright outside him. Andy Muirhead outside him. Um, you know, it's it's not. And, then, and I made this point in the nomination column that this is maybe a site that, um, that Brumbies fans need to start getting used to because yeah. it's not that difficult to picture that same back line with the possible exception of Joey Powell starting at nine. It's not too difficult to see that, um, that back line starting in a Brumbies jersey next year.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I think it, it goes to show how much of a critical game that this weekend's game against the forces, yeah, this coming weekend's, yeah. weekend's game against the forces, is going to be within the context of the whole season. Really, um,
1: really, really shapes up as a as a really good match up, and I think we learn a lot about both teams out of this game.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so rounding out the top four, um, we have Brisbane City, which are currently sitting on one win against Sydney, one draw against the draw, and one loss. To the Vikings by, like you mentioned earlier, one point. Um, These guys have really surprised me. Um, I think they've been kind of showing a lot of heart and showing a huge amount of potential. I think probably, you know, in terms of consist, in terms of the talent that's on display, and uh, probably the most exciting looking team they have since they, I think, since they last won it back in in 2015. Because it takes a lot to, to. to take a strong druid side to a draw and when they, they did put Sydney to the sword quite convincingly and like you kind of mentioned you know they were in some cases unlucky not to get that winning Canberra which is is no easy feat. I think mm. the only issue that I think is that in their last two games they have kind of had instances where they, they took their th- their foot off the throat a little because I think against against Sydney at one point it was 28-26 until they kind of kicked into gear in, in the last 15 or 20 minutes and you know I think in all up though they're in a good position, and I think there's a lot of talent in that side, and they're kind of probably of all the teams have really kind of surprised me the most in terms of even though they've only grabbed the one win, it's I th- you can tell that they're probably going to they're going to be a much harder prospect um, and maybe a potential contender for the top four.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think surprise packet's actually a, a good way of describing them. Um, you know, I, I and I don't think I would have been alone in thinking that, that Queensland country still just looked that little bit stronger on paper. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, City look, look really handy. They're a young side. They're a really young side, mm. aren't they? There's a lot of junior Wallabies um, stars in that team. Um, but, yeah, they're playing some really good rugby. And, and I think, you, like you mentioned, that they're as strong as they look looked since they last won a title, which is, yeah, 2015. My immediate mm. thought to that was that you think about that 2014-2015 team, and they had Liam Gill at seven, Scott Higginbotham at eight. And mm. then you think about this team, and you've got Fraser McRae at seven. Yeah. Harry Wilson, Sam Wallace at eight. You know, a mm. couple of really handy back rowers. Um, and when they're playing at Adam Cause, you get lock um, Yeah. So <laughs> they've got a, a, a fourth back rower up their sleeve at the moment, City. So, look, they're, they're, they're doing well. They've got a decent pack. Um, Brennan Payneham. Brandon Payne Ramos, uh Ruan Smith. Um Ruan played loose head on the weekend, I think, too. I, yeah,
0: I he noticed. did. Yeah, he did.
1: So, you know, they've got a they've got a good pack, they've got some exciting backs uh, out there. I like what Isaac Lucas is doing at ten. Um and they can they can definitely set themselves up as a contender. They've got a tough run over the next three weeks, particularly. Mm. They've got New South Wales country this weekend, then Queensland country, and then the force over the next three weeks. They finish with Melbourne. Um, so realistically, I reckon they need to so – th- and maybe they're like New South Wales country. Maybe they need to win those next three mm-hmm. to, to really stand up. So this it's a, it's a danger period for them. I think these next three weeks probably makes or breaks their season.
0: Yeah, I mean it does. It does say a lot about the quality of all the teams all up. Where I think the, the actual margin of between I think sixth and first is, or sixth and second is a matter of just four points, because there's yeah. so many close com- competitive teams at the moment.
1: Um, well, there's so a kind just, of it's less win between. Uh, between what Canberra and third and mm. well you're right you're right there's yeah you know, there's, there's one win between New South Wales country and second um mm. and and Sydney in sixth. so yeah
0: yeah exactly and so it's that's which is really good just like really awesome to see that how many more competitive teams there are um so we'll jump into the other Queensland team Queensland country who um I think it's fair to say, have been a little bit off the pace. They had, they've had they had the one win against Canberra um, and then that last-ditch loss against the Force. But this weekend, they were really shown up by um, yeah. by Sydney. Um, in Sydney, going down, I think it was 47-26. Um, yep. Do you think that was a one-off, in all honesty, or do you think there's more to be worried about by that result?
1: Um, no, for yes and no and as and i'm and i'm saying that as i'm very quickly flicking through their um through their games and the thing that stands out to me and I, and i and i'm seeing the same pattern in the lost in the western force game back in round 1 um and and even the game against queensland which they against canberra which they did ultimately win mm-hmm. um and then same thing yes yeah, so t- i think the problem they had in the first two rounds was that if they scored a try, they weren't the next to score, and, mm. and that's that's often been the big thing in the NRC is that you know, because, because momentum can shift so quickly, you need to be you need to follow up a try with another try just to be able to properly rest momentum back. And and country had, just weren't quite able to do that in the first two games, and then against Sydney on the weekend, you know they they get out to 14-7 up, you know inside the first twenty minutes. And then they they conceded the next three tries before half time, um, and then same thing after the break. They scored the first try, but then conceded another three, and the, the game's gone. Mm. So yeah, you know, I think I, th- I think they've got they've got the issue of not quite being able to follow up tries themselves. And then, as we saw on the weekend, they can sort of they can concede tries in a hurry. In the first half, they concede three tries in the space of where are we about seven minutes and then the second half it's something similar it's three tries in about 15 so mm. you know that's that's a that's an easy way to lose momentum in a game when you're conceding tries like that so um you know look at their they're there they're they've so got i've got plenty of talent um mm. there's there's no i mean Geez, I'd love for a dollar for every decent back rower coming out of Queensland. You. I mean, you know, mm. uh, you know, like Liam Wright's got to fit back into that Queensland countryside. You'd reckon uh, he didn't. He didn't play last week. I expect that he will this week. Mm. Uh, you know, I like Hamish Stewart at twelve. I think that's a that's adding a new element to his game that I think is going to suit him and and maybe will suit Queensland in the long run. Mm. Um, they're still getting plenty out of. Dungua on the wing, Jock Campbell at the back. Uh, you know, Tate McDermott still still having his moments. So you know, they're. I think. I actually think they're a better team than than they've shown. Yeah. But they're they're in. They're in the same sort of boat. They're they've got Melbourne this week, and then Brisbane City, New South Wales Country, Fiji to finish. Mm. So that's a pretty tough run home. That they they, sh- they should be. They should get the points against Melbourne. I think that game's in Ballarat this weekend. Um, mm. I think they, they're good enough to beat Melbourne, certainly. The the last three will, will test them out, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think they're performing well below expectations in terms of the actual talent they've got. I think, t- again, Tate McDermott, aside from that one massive brain fart where he gifted Sydney a try on the weekend, um, <laughs> has been absolutely outstanding. And and on top of it, looking at Dalgunu, I think it's I was comparing him, and seeing seeing how much that player has come in terms compared to his first season back in I think it was 2016 I think it was he's, because then he was kind of standing out now he's kind of clearly one of their one of them and the Reds' best players and then additionally I think you know the forwards are still looking really good for for country I think again like you say with that game against Sydney it just looks like they just went to sleep in all yeah. honesty.
1: And in a,
0: in a season that only lasts seven, seven regular season rounds, you can't yeah. afford to go asleep. sleep. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think, I think what this actually tells us is that, is that Brisbane city and Queensland country are actually in a pretty similar space. Um, mm. and they've probably scored a similar number of tries. They have probably conceded, um, you know, maybe, maybe, Queensland country conceded a few more when they had, um, I would because there were four scored seven or eight the first round. So, mm. um, You know, their their points for and against look slightly different, but I think the two teams are pretty similar, and that is then probably in turn reflective of where the Reds are as a squad. So, Mm. you know, I'm not entirely surprised that they're both sitting mid-table. I think... I don't think they both make the semis, but I couldn't tell you which one definitely will right at this point in time. Yeah, look,
0: I'd, I'd agree with that. And I think it's the to be honest i think the next upcoming couple of games that they've got are probably really going to be a better indication of, of where they are right now um similarly inconsistent is the team sitting in 6th which is which is sydney who kind of started the season with two losses one a close one to new south wales country and then they got uh, smacked by brisbane mm-hmm. and then last and then on the weekend they ended i think what was a nine match losing streak um, with their win against Queensland Country. Um this <laughs> <laughs>
1: took took you through that. that well they'd lost nine on the trot to Queensland Country.
0: No, no, no. They lost nine on the trot in general. The last time they'd won oh. was the final which, which was funnily enough, it was the final round of twenty seventeen when they were out of contention and they beat Fiji in Fiji. Right. It was the last match they won.
1: Goodness. Right <laughs> eh? Yeah.
0: Which is it's it's a team of extremes. Let's just let's just yeah. put them
1: off. Well, and look, that's a, that's a, that's a good way of of of, uh, of talking about them because you know they were they were really good coming back against New South Wales Country in the first round, but then mm. they concede fifty against Brisbane and then nearly score fifty themselves seven days later against Queensland Country. So mm. you know it's a it's a hell of a turnaround. <laughs> I'd I'd love to know what Chris Whitaker. Um, said to him during the week to in between those two games because they've they've certainly been up and down um i think there's there's obviously a fair bit of difference between the team that won on the weekend and the team that lost the week before and they were without four or five players who were um, yeah. who were uh, playing for for Randwick against argentina so um that certainly tells you the difference between the guys on elite pathway programs in the New South Wales squads and the guys that aren't Um, Mm. because that's, that that applies to New South Wales country as well. Mm. Um, So, so yeah, you can draw your own conclusions there. Look, they've got, they've got a, an interesting run. They've got Fiji this weekend, then Melbourne, Canberra, Western force to finish. So, Mm. um, you know, they're in that tricky spot now with one win, They they need at least three more wins out of their last four. And so, You know, they're, they're, they're capable, but are, is it likely, I, like, I'm, I'm just trying to work out where in that light do they get three wins, Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe they can beat Fiji, they can probably beat Melbourne, can they beat Canberra and the Force? Mm. I'm not sure about that, so, um, you know, maybe these next two games in particular, uh, we, we might learn a little bit more about, about Sydney and, and where they're progressing, but, um they it feels to me like they're in a bit of a danger spot, which which I mean Queensland country are in exactly the same spot, but they don't feel quite as vulnerable to me, which seems like a funny thing to say. Mm, because, yeah. Actually because I say that and their for and against records are nearly identical.
0: Mm, yeah. I, I pretty much agree with that. I think it was it was quite weird watching the game on the weekend, and because it was completely different to the side that turned up, they it was they played quite clinical, they played quite smart, and best of all, I think they were really aggressive against Country in terms of their physicality that they brought to the game, which um, I think uh, played into how, why they did so well. I don't think I kind of agree with you in that I don't think they currently have it in them to to make it to the top 4 but unless they, but if they play more games but
1: they like, play they more did, like they did the weekend and they absolutely yeah. do yes yeah, that's like, that's the thing but there's there's, yeah.
0: there's there's a quality team in here um, yeah. that that it's just a matter of whether they turn up week in week out
1: yeah. really yeah. It's, um, it's it's a not unreasonable question about them there's certainly the talent is there the 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 quality of the team is there it's just a matter of you know which team turns up week to week but you know just as I was saying about Queensland country, you know, conceding tries in bursts, they, you know, Sydney, Sydney scoring those, the, you know, they, they, when they scored, they scored again, they scored again. Mm. Uh, and they did, did that you know, again. They did that in both halves, score, scoring three tries you know, in a bunch. And that was really what blew Queensland country away. And so they're probably going to have to be that sort of team. They're gonna, they are probably they I don't think they're going to afford to try and grind out wins. They've got to get on the front foot early and then, and then really, really keep going, really go on with it, um, because again, against New South Wales Country in the first round, they did exactly the same thing. Once they scored, you know, once they scored one, they scored another one, then they scored again straight after half time, and then another one again. Then all of a sudden, they're you know they're just about in front. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, they can if they can create the momentum that they'll need by by scoring tries in bunches, then they're going to give plenty of teams plenty of headaches.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. It's it which goes to show how important these next two games against them are. And speaking of the Drua, um, the Drua are currently sitting uh, second from the bottom. And this one, I definitely did not see coming. Um, I mean, I did think that it, they weren't. I did think that they were going to to struggle a bit more compared to last season, and that a back-to-back title defence was possible. But I was not expecting them to not to be sitting with two draws and one loss. Um, after yeah. three rounds. Um, so I think, yeah, well, how do you unpack the draw right now, Brett? I think...
1: Yeah. Uh, the, um, ha- had you have said to me three weeks ago that Fiji would be sitting seventh with four points after three rounds, I probably wouldn't have been surprised because they... I knew they weren't going to be as strong because there's about 10 or a dozen of, their, of last year's squad in the Flying Fijians squad in Japan currently. So, yeah, uh, you know, plus these, you know, natural attrition and guys getting contracts everywhere else. So, yeah, that's that that was naturally going to happen. They weren't quite, they weren't going to be as strong this year. Um, but then they find that draw against Brisbane City. And then again, last week, they did the same thing against New South Wales Country. So, there's a bit of grit there. There's a, there's a, there's a bit about them. Mm. Um, but the big question for me is that. They they got they get touched up in Fiji by the force, and so mm. the thing for me was that they needed to win all their home games, and they've only got three this year, mm. um, and they they can't they've they've never travelled well. That's that's always been the the criticism about Fiji, and I think they've I think their away record over the two seasons is only maybe two or three yeah. from, from the line. It's it's not many at all. Um, and so, yeah, they, they were they were never going to be able to afford to drop games at home. So when they lose that first one at home to the fourth, I thought, oh, I'm not sure about these guys this year. So realistically, um, if they lose to Sydney this weekend, they're they're just about done, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. As I said, you know, four, four wins is 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 going to be the bare minimum. Four wins might not even be enough. So you know, they've they've got to win four from here, and I'm not sure they can do that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I'm been look. I kind of viewed this um, this particular version of the drawer this season, this team of the drawer, as the as a kind of a real test of the amount of depth of yeah, of rugby within it. within Fiji. And I considering how many how many players they've got um, that play in Fiji. Um, I was kind of hoping that that there would be a lot of depth down there and they might go a long way to kind of challenging it but that we kind of haven't really seen i think it's just for me it's just consistency around keeping to their game plan and consistent and consistency around um kind of sticking to sticking to the style that they know sometimes in in some instances they just haven't been playing the game that's in front the the team that's in front of them in, in some instances like with new south wales country i reckon they could have really they could have won that game and they were leading for most of that game and they should have put that, they should have won that game. Um, and I think, it, which is kind of where they, their season has kind of been falling apart for me. So I think I, I do agree. I I reckon it's kind of pretty much it's a, it's week to week. Now you've got to, you've got to win every game if they lose. I don't think they'll lose to Sydney this weekend, um, considering how inconsistent Sydney has been, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if they do, then then really I think that's it's lights out for them.
1: Yeah, and... I just think they're in that 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 difficult spot. Um, you know they're gonna they need to start stringing together wins. Um, yeah, and they just haven't quite been able to been able to do that. I think it's just a little bit of a question mark over them. And and um, you know on the this this is the sort of game that they that they absolutely need to win. And on the plus side, it is over there in Fiji, so. Um, you know maybe we learn more about again this is one of those th- games that mm. learn more about both sides
0: yeah absolutely I, I could agree with that and kind of to bring us to the end of the uh, of the ladder is currently sitting with three losses um, against New South Wales country against the Canberra Vikings and the Western Force is the Melbourne Rising mm. um, so effectively here I mean they've got they at the very bare minimum, they have to win every single game to even have a hope of getting into the finals. But I, here's the thing with this side. I see a competitive side here. I see a side that is actually, that does have a lot of potential. And I do think even better is a lot of, there's a lot of young talent in this squad. And I think it's good that that the Rebels and the, and the VRU are choosing to kind of pick a lot a lot of club players because you need to build that. That depth within the club system, and you need to build that support, and you need to get those players coming through. Do you think, then, Brett, throwing this to you, what what is going on with the rising here? Is it that the, because I have seen in some some circles that some people are saying, are the, I think Rugby Reg mentioned in his article, he's kind of waiting for the senior players to stand up and kind of lead by example. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably a probably a fair question. I, I think what we're seeing um you you mentioned that Vic Rugby and, and the rebels to an extent are certainly using the NRC to really highlight that the pathways are there but but I, but I wonder whether they 're doing that because of the way they 've contracted players down there or whether mm. they chose to contract players the way they have so that they could use the NRC the way they are and and what i 'm talking about there is that i've i 've discovered in recent weeks that there's a number of contracted rebels guys um, who who aren't actually contracted for the NRC. Now mm. that sounds that sounds a bit interesting because typically contracts for, for, for players at super rugby level are 12 month. They run mm. you know like November one till November one and, and you might get an early release, if you've come to the end of that, you're not renewing, you've got a deal to go overseas, you know, generally most guys can go. But it actually sounds like there's a number of contracted rebels, and I'm thinking of guys like Billy Meeks in particular, um, Jack Maddox, uh, even Luke Jones, who um, is theoretically on the on the fringe of the Wallabies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not actually required to play NRC. So it might, it might actually happen yet that, Luke Jones, for example, is suddenly made available for the for the rising because you know the Wallabies want him want him playing, they want game time in him. Mm. Um, but you know Jack Maddox has gone off now to to join the Sevens. Um, uh, you know the, like that that backline the weekend could could really have done with someone like Billy Meeks at, at twelve. And yeah. so I, I, I think you're right. I think they've got a re- they've got a really good pack, and that makes them perhaps look a little bit better than they are because whilst they've got a decent pack. There's not a lot outside it. Um, Yeah,
0: I agree. Yeah.
1: See see a scoreline like 38-19 on the weekend, six tries to three, and that's about where they are. You know, they're good enough to 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 get back at teams, but they're just not quite there to 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 push teams yet. Um, And so, you know, again, whether that's a strategic thing of the Rebels and 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 Vic Rugby, um, or whether it's something born out of the way they've constructed things down there, I, I don't know. But I can I I get what they're doing on one hand, but then I wonder why they're effectively giving up, um, you know, the possibility of after the, after the season that the rebels had. I don't know why you would give up the opportunity to try and. Build a bit of momentum in the squad going into Super Rugby, so I, I just think that's a little bit curious about them.
0: Yeah, look, I kind of, I kind of agree. I think I do. I kind of have been wondering where those where those those players that you mentioned are, because for me, the the real weakness on the end um, on the weekend, um, which I relate way too much to, was seeing the force the uh, rising players forwards win a scrum. Um, and then they get give it to the backs, and the backs would drop the ball, or yeah. they'd be, they'd, and it would, it, and as a forward itself, it kind of hurt me a bit because I've been in that position so many times before, but also because it just goes to show that if you had someone in that back line, um, in that back line to help guide those those younger rising players about, um, mm-hmm. it would really, it would really actually not only be give them some momentum like you like you say but it would also give the younger players some a bit more confidence yeah um, because i mean when you're coming up against the likes of of the force of a, of a really strong team um, you know your force your vikings players it's always good to have those younger guys supported by other by those other players around you um mm-hmm. As well as as much as I find it admirable that the the Rising are do have a younger squad, and I think it'll it'll be beneficial, extremely beneficial for them later down the track. I think you know for the short to medium term, I think that they haven't quite struck a balance yet in terms of having depth in terms of ta- yeah. talent from the Rebels in the squad, as well yeah. as depth and talent from from club level.
1: It's, there's no there's no doubt to me that um, that the the Jewish Shield in Melbourne has has become stronger because of the Rebels and because of the NRC, because of the Pathways. Yeah. But I think what this year, perhaps more than others, has highlighted is that there is still a fairly big gulf between the average club player in Melbourne, the average Jewish Shield player in Melbourne, and even, uh, you know, your, your, uh, your premier grade player in Perth and your John Iden Cup player in Canberra, never mind Brisbane and Sydney. Um, mm. I, I think... I think where perhaps those other four competitions uh, you know if not necessarily on par they're not they're not too far away from each other um, and you can see you can see there's a few players that have played in a few different competitions now around the, around the, 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 the country and they you know again they find their level I don't think the the, the, the best of the Jewish shield players are, are anywhere near that just at this stage so you know it'll take that's the sort of thing that it can take you know a decade realistically um, you know i just i i, I hope that, that that there is that time is available for um for, for vic rugby and, and the rebels to be able to see the results that they're hoping they see
0: yeah i agree look i do think i do think there's still potential in this squad because um, they've got they've got um, they've got their hosting country this weekend uh, queensland country this weekend then they're off to sydney to face sydney at um foreshore rugby park and then uh, they're on um, posting Trua and then finishing and then finishing against
1: Brisbane. Yeah, right. Is the Fiji game in Fiji? Uh,
0: hang on a sec. Um, no, so it's Casey Fields in. All oh, right, in in round okay. six. So yeah. look, it de- depending on how this Trua side go, there may be there may be potential there. Look, I still I still think that they if they are able to get maybe one or two wins from this point on. Um, I reckon that would be a much more positive way to end the season, particularly considering yeah, my, that they have a young squad.
1: Yeah. For sure, yeah. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I think one or two wins out of that four coming home is probably about all they can, they can hope for.
0: Yeah. Um, so that would pretty much wrap us up in terms of those squads. This weekend uh, for round four of the NRC, it'll be kicking off with the Drua facing up against Sydney in Fiji. Um, And then the match of the – I think probably arguably the match of the round, maybe the match of the season or the regular season with the Western Force hosting the Canberra Vikings at UWA Sports Park. Um, Then on Sunday, the Melbourne Rising will be facing uh, facing off against Queensland Country at Eureka Stadium in Ballarat.
1: Ballarat, that's right.
0: Yeah. And then lastly – all of you fans uh, from Brisbane City get to Ballymore for this weekend. I think is, it, is this is going to be the, probably their last match at Ballymore as Brisbane City will take on New South Wales Country because get, that's getting knocked down bit soon, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point actually. Yeah, that's that's quite true. I, I would ex- I would imagine that surely Ballymore, sh- surely they they see out the NRC anyway. But yeah, anyway, but- that's, that's going to be a cracking game. City yeah. against uh, New South Wales Country. Um, that's a really interesting contest for both teams.
0: Yeah, it, in terms of particularly telling where they are in terms of the context of mm. of everyone else in the in the competition. Um, so I think that'll pretty much wrap us up. But actually, before before we go, um, I think you and me uh, t- talked about this in part. But if anyone is in South Australia, um, from September twenty sixth to twenty ninth, there is actually going to be an NRC Division Two, um, series yeah. of of matches. Um, which I think there's. Because tw- they did have it in 2018. There were four states. I think it was South Australia, Northern Territory, Tasmania, and I can't remember that, what the last one was. But in 2019, um, there's going to be eight teams, and this is something that Rugby Union South Australia have done with, with Rugby Australia. Um, so they'll be playing down at uh, at Woodville Rugby Club, I think it is. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, yeah, yeah. This is um, – I mean, this – this to me sounds like a bit of a, a rehash of the old Australian Rugby Shield, which used mm. to be the, you know, the 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 non Super Rugby states, if you like, and uh, I think New South Wales Country and Queensland Country were in there as well, and um, you know, that was when we had the the Melbourne Axemen and the um, I think there was yeah. a, uh, was the it was the Darwin Mosquitoes and the I can't think what the Adelaide team were called, but um, it sounds like a rehash of that competition. It's a, it's a really important pathway there, and, and I know that. Um, rugby South Australia um, are really proactive on this front about finding uh, like they're they're working hard to establish the pathways uh, and perhaps in South Australia that's more important than anywhere else but it's not just about having the pathways there for the sake of it but it's having the right level to play against Um, Mm. and I spoke to that they were over in Canberra back in late July they sent um, a heap of young teams over for a a new competition that the, Bru- the, the the Brumbies put up this year. Um, there was a, they called it the Emerging States Championship, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: there,
1: was, there was teams from South Australia and Tasmania against, I think it was about four or so teams from this sort of southeastern New South Wales area mm-hmm. um, played at under 12, 14, 16, 18 competition. And um, Jason Himes was the, the guy from, from uh, SA Rugby that I spoke to, and he said exactly that. You know, it's one thing to send you know an under-16 team's way to the national championships, but then having them go and get thumped by 70 by Queensland 2 doesn't really do anything for them. But you know, being able to play against Tasmania or Victoria or a, you know a, a southeastern New South Wales type rep team is about their level, and so the guys can learn about the game. There's an incentive to play well, and there's actually a chance for them to, um, um, to to actually you know have some success, and and that's just as important I think as the the development of uh, of rugby in general. So, look, I, I look forward to seeing how that, that runs out. It's a it's a good thing, I, and I know that it's, it's 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 easy and it's nice for people to say you know we should have an NRC team in um, in, in in Adelaide. I think we're a long way off that, um, but but this sort of thing is an important first step.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think I think indeed, there is a lot of interest in terms of the rugby community there um, for something like that. But I do think that you know I do completely agree in terms of the actual uh, terms of talent competing in N- at an at, at an NRC level. But um, having a competition like this, I think, is awesome, frankly. Yeah, I agree. Um, getting the having the chance to kind of allow those best players in. The, the likes of the Cooper's Premier grade and the Tasmanian grade. And um, I think the other one was the Victoria Country team yeah. um, as well. Um, and we're all coming to play together, I think, is a really awesome initiative. So for anyone in Adelaide uh, who wants to get down to that, you, um, you can get down to Woodville Rugby Club from September 26th to the 29th um, to check out NRC Division Two um, which will have eight teams. I don't know who the eight teams are, but... Um, get on to uh, to check that out. Um, so that'll pretty much wrap us up for this uh, episode of the Dropped Kickoff. Um, I think that um, you and me will probably come back together in a couple of weeks, getting near the end of the regular season, and uh, and discuss uh, where the teams are at. Um, but yeah, cheers for coming on, Brett. Appreciate it.
1: Uh, no worries. Thanks, mate. It's been uh, been, been a good chat. Uh, um, you know, it's uh, just when we think there's there's the rugby season's coming to an end, all of a sudden yeah, like you said, at the start there. Yeah. NRC season is really kicking off. I'm still not ready for the Rugby World Cup to start and we're <laughs> a couple of days away. Um, so, you know, plenty of rugby to go this year. Plenty of good rugby to go yet too. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's milk that for as long as we can.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so thank you very much for coming on and cheers to everyone else for listening and uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch you the next time around.
1: Well, what did go wrong? I have to look look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply.
0: Did it hinge in the end on
1: a bit of genius from Shirley Bombo? A genius, a magic. Shirley Bombo, very interesting, very good. Yeah, very good. Three cheers for Shirley Bombo. Very good, very good.